ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to these go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Steve Hartland joining me. Steve, what's going on, man? Hey, Nathan. Good to talk to you. I'm uh, happy to be back in the world of podcasting tonight. Yes, yes, it's a good feeling. And, uh, you know, it's great because I was wondering if we were going to have to, um, you know, cancel or whatever tonight because the weather's not so great. But, you know what? It's not so bad that we don't have power, so we are able to call each other and do the recording and uh, get rolling with the podcast anyway, which is very exciting. It's pretty nice. I'm sitting in the finished, quiet, comfortable part of our basement, all alone, no noise, no nothing, just perfect for podcasting. Nice, nice. That's awesome. That's excellent. Um, we have a few things we're going to be uh, talking about today, but before we get started, once again, want to give a shout out to Mission Aware, our uh, long-term sponsors, just, you know, so thankful for the opportunity that... Um, you know, we have to uh, work with them. They're constantly coming out with uh, new products and, um, you know, just uh, go check out Mission Aware. Can't say enough about them. You know, last week we were kind of saying, hey, it's post-Christmas. You know, you maybe you got everything you wanted. Maybe you didn't. Maybe there's still a couple things left that you're kind of, huh, I wonder, you know, I wonder if uh, – you know, this was something that I might have wanted to have gotten for Christmas and you didn't. Go check out Mission Aware and all their great products from T-shirts to Moleskin journals, decals, mugs, cups, um, the Yeti mug, which is absolutely fantastic and phenomenal. Um, great posters that you can get from there. Um, Mission Aware for all your reformed needs. Um, now, Steve, we, um, we've been talking about as well, you know, it's 2018, we're in a new year and we just want to, again, highlight, you know, for those people who are out there listening, we just want to really encourage you, please, please, please go onto our iTunes page and, uh, send us a review. Uh, it really helps us get up on the listings a little bit more people trying to find us. Uh, and just it, it makes us more accessible on the internet in general. So as people are looking for podcasts to listen to, they're looking for Christian reform podcasts to listen to. Uh, the more likes we get, the more comments in particular that we get about the podcast, the uh, the better our standings and ratings are with iTunes. So please leave us iTunes reviews. Also. If you haven't liked us on Facebook, please go ahead and do so. And if you're not following us on Twitter, please go ahead and do so because we're going to be working on some uh, individual um, giveaways for those. So if you are part of Facebook, we're going to be doing some Facebook only giveaways. If we are, um, if you're on Twitter, we're going to be doing some Twitter only giveaways. Some of them will do crossovers as well, but we just want to make sure that we're maximizing as much of the social media potential as possible. Stay tuned in the next couple months. We're going to be setting up our Instagram page and, uh, just kind of really, you know, crossing everything over and into one another so that we get full presence on social media out there. So stay tuned for that. Um, Steve, with all that said, um, looking forward to tonight's topic a lot. Um, and it's kind of something that, uh, came to me, uh, I'm part of, you know, several different groups on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter. One of the things that I noticed that um, groups, particularly Christian groups, love to do is uh, argue with one another. And I always see topics of argument and debate going on. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's over our current president, uh, Mr. Donald Trump, our former president, Mr. Barack Obama. Some nuanced portion of scripture that, you know, everyone claims that they have the real estate on and that they are absolutely 100% dogmatically correct on. Um, you know, I just noticed that Christian groups love to argue about anything and everything. And I was looking over the weekend and noticed that the internet was actually relatively quiet on many of these social media pages. And Interestingly, I was a little disturbed by that because, you know, I'm used to seeing all this fighting, fighting, bickering, you know, this, this obnoxiousness, it almost seems like. But in the lack of there being anything genuine to argue about, there isn't really anything that people are encouraging or lifting one another up with. Um, and I, I feel like to a certain extent, that's generally true of 
many things in general that we we're we love our arguments, we love our fights, we love our debates, but when it comes to like sitting down and you know having genuine fellowship or or encouragement to one another, we almost blow it off. Um, and I was just wondering if you might have had any thoughts or, you know, if you had noticed anything similar or seen anything similar in your perusings of the Internet and all that stuff. Um, your take on some of that stuff? Well, I think this is a great topic. I'm really glad you thought of it. And by the way, I'll, I'll tell the hearers, the topics are always Nathan. Um, I'm not smart enough to come up with topics. <laughs> He's good at it. So uh, teamwork works. He's That's the topic right. Man. So this, this is a great topic. Um, I have bailed from Facebook. Mm. I bailed about eight months ago, and I'd been on for a long time and was very active on it. Uh, though over time I had pared down and pared down those that I was actually following. I didn't unfriend anybody, but I just didn't follow them. So I had like, I don't know, 800 quote, un- friends, unquote. Uh, but basically the only people I followed had my last name. And a few others. Mm. So, you know, I wanted to see my kids, their wives, their, my grandchildren, and all that. Sure, sure. But, uh, but even so, others that I followed, I just got tired of what you're referring to here. You know, arguments and dumb comments. And not only that, but just to add one other thing, um, sometimes I would post things that were, I think, innocuous mm. and uh, innocent uh, and somebody who doesn't like me, I know it's hard to imagine <laughs> that, that there could be someone who doesn't like me. That's but right. There are such people in the world. Um, one or two of them, right? God bless them. One or two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, um, they'll, they'll see something I would put on Facebook and then kind of use it against me, like make twist it, make me a bad guy. So I just got sick of that. That's happened enough times. I said, I don't need this in my life. Forget Facebook. Goodbye, Facebook. Mm. And I had withdrawal symptoms for about one week. And since then, it's been nice. <laughs> Very nice. I spend a lot more time on Twitter now. There's a lot of people I follow on Twitter. I enjoy keeping up with their tweets. Nice. Um, but but I, I'm away from the arguments. But here's something I thought we could talk about as we get into this. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind this. What are some of the really dumb, <laughs> in your opinion, <laughs> really dumb unnecessary, fruitless, just about every Facebook argument is probably fruitless. We all know we're not convincing anybody, right? Or right. We, we, sh- we should know that. Our friends are saying amen, and our foes are gathering ammo against us. That's right. Um, <laughs> and let me just throw in a verse quick, too. You know, Second Timothy 2.23. Mm. Timothy is in Ephesus. There are adversaries. Paul writes them and says, but avoid foolish controversies, Mm. genealogies, arguments, Mm. and quarrels about the law, because these things are pointless and worthless. Mm. I mean, that's pretty strong, right? Yeah. Timothy, there are foolish, useless arguments and quarrels going on. Just stay out of them. They're worthless. They serve no purpose. They're pointless. Um, And then I I always think of James, too, James 4.1, where James asks the question, what causes conflicts? and quarrels among you. And then he answers, don't they come from the passions at mm-hmm. war within you? So most fights don't come out of us for good reasons. They come from selfish passions, mm. our own desires, our strong opinions, and so on. So uh, what you know, what fights have you witnessed? I've got some in mind. I'd like to hear yours. Yeah, I, you know, honestly, I feel like really... <sighs> I I would say close to 90% of anything I see that happens on Facebook uh, is a pointless argument. Wow. Let let me explain why. Wow. Because really at the end of the day, being a part of, you know, a group, being a part of a, uh, you know, having a Facebook presence – um, you know, and, and our listeners can, you know, go back. There are very few times that, you know, really, um, I do any interaction publicly on Facebook. Uh, occasionally I've dropped in a couple things here and there. I've tried to make them as the statements as neutral as possible, you know, just sticking mainly to here are, here are the facts of the situation. This is what happened and just leaving it at that. 
Um, most of my interaction I do out of the public eye. It's it's all through messaging. It's through telephone calls. Um, I can't tell me tell you how many times I've had um, you know ladies and gentlemen who wanted to. Um, you know, call or who wanted to engage in something and I've taken it offline and I said, look, even, even offline as we're going back and forth in messenger, um, I felt like the nuance of what was being said was lost. And I said, can I, can I just call you? Because I really feel like we're missing something here and, and you're not really understanding what I'm saying because you're trying to read something into my tone and into my voice that isn't there. Um, you know, let's be real when you, whenever you're typing a letter or you are writing something, um, the fact of the matter is we've gotten ourselves in trouble as a, a group of people where we try to put in these little emojis and, you know, smiley faces and snickers and all these other things. At the end of the day, if you're going to type something, you should just type it. It should just be read as a simple message, nothing more, nothing less. Um, unless there is specific and yes, in the English language, we have specific, um, punctuation styles. We have specific using capital letters, things like that, that are meant to emphasize our feelings and emotions. Um, but people just don't know how to do that. And, and so I would, I would honestly say that I think close to 90% of what I see that ends up that that it starts out being really you know kind of a simple discussion turns into a pointless argument um you know and and this, i i really feel like this is probably going to get me in trouble with a lot of the groups that i'm in because i'm in a lot of groups with a lot of different christians on facebook and um you know that's the nice thing about you know kind of where we are in these go to 11 is you know i don't care. Um, you know, <laughs> the fact of the matter is I enjoy, um, I enjoy a certain level of fellowship online, but I think people need to understand that you are the, you know, a, a good portion of these people are not your friends. Let's, let's be real. You know, Facebook, it doesn't matter if you cl- click the little button that says friend me, I'm your friend. <laughs> you know, you don't know me. I don't know you, you know, you, you hear a radio presence from me that is, you know, Nathan Bell. I try to portray as much as I can, my personality. I think, I think that comes through to a certain extent, but you know, it's like you were saying, Steve, you know, there are people out there who just don't like me. Um, and do you have that too? Really? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I, think I met one person like once. Yeah. I think there was one person once, um, you know, it was years ago. Um, and only person, one, one yeah. years ago. <laughs> and he just, Oh yeah. <laughs> man, that's <slipped. laughs> Um, and I just figured there was something wrong with him because everyone else I know absolutely loves and adores me. Um, so <laughs> of, of course I'm saying all of this tongue in cheek, you know, as a person, I have a specific personality. I, um, I have things that rub people the wrong way. I annoy my friends at times and rub them the wrong way. And, um, there are times where, you know, I, you know, realize it and humble myself and apologize. And there are times where I'm like, no, you apologize. You know, I mean, I'm a person, you know, take that type of personality, that type of, you know, everyday life situation where people you are dealing with millions of personalities around the world at, at all times, at all places and now throw in the mix that you can say and do whatever you want without fear that you may ever meet this person face to face. And right. I feel like you come up with what are considered pointless arguments. And it turns cowards into bold people too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's say that for, let, let's say for the sake of argument that I'm having a discussion about something that is seriously um, important. Let's say I'm trying to do this via Facebook and I'm trying to have a conversation with someone about abortion. I'm trying to have a conversation with someone about homosexuality. I'm trying to have a conversation with someone about um, living with someone who is not your spouse. Um, I'm trying to have a conversation with someone about sleeping with someone who is not your spouse. All of these conversations 
while the truth can be portrayed, I don't sincerely believe the truth in love can be portrayed because I don't know you. At least that you have to you have to exercise great care and and a lot of extra things well, to indicate that love. Right. Well, but the but the fact of the matter is, I don't know you, and you don't know me. And I think that's where the the rub is, is that in the context of a relationship, that is where true discussion occurs. That's where things no longer become pointless. That's where things no longer become, in my opinion, futile, where I've built a rapport with someone and they know my heart and I know their heart and I can go to that person face to face or or yeah, let's say it's over distance, but I've gotten to know someone. Um just recently I had a good friend of mine from back home. This person um was very much like a father to me growing up and he recently contacted me about something and just, you know, very personally, it wasn't um anything, you know, scandalous, you know, between me or him or or you know, the situation, but he was just like, you know, I'm just concerned about this and you know, wanted to check in with you on this. And, you know, he's like, I just, you know, you know that I love you and, and, and all. And, and I did. I knew where he was coming from because we had developed a rapport. We had developed a relationship with one another where he genuinely knew me. If I try to do that to somebody or with someone that I really don't know, that's not going to work. You know, trying to go to someone and say, hey, I just I want to check on your spiritual state. You know, you know, I love you. It's like, no, I don't know that you love me. (laughs) I don't know that you are interested in in my best interest, that you have my spiritual interest in heart. For all I know, maybe you're trying to push me into legalism. For all I know, maybe you're trying to subvert my conscience because this is what you think is right. I don't know your heart and I don't know that you love me. Um, does does that make sense? Does any of that resonate with you, Steve? Oh, very much so. But but your experience is very different than mine. It's, it's interesting. Uh, I don't think I've had any Facebook interactions, certainly not any Facebook arguments with people that I didn't actually really know. And we were just using Facebook as a vehicle for communication between us. Mm. And and by the way, uh, very often when something would turn into a controversy. I would immediately send them a private message and say, let's continue this in private mm. um, so we don't display our argument, our stupidity, and our attitude to the world. Yeah. But anyway, I've not experienced what you are describing. You, have, you, I think, have a much wider audience that you interact with hmm. than I have. But even with people who are actual friends, maybe they're family members, maybe they're in my church, uh, I know them from somewhere, we're actual friends, uh, when we differ over something, it's very difficult in the black and white of print to let them feel that you are arguing in love. So I will often, I will pad things with, hey, please read everything that follows uh, as coming from a spirit of love. Mm -hmm. I love you. I'm not not angry. There's nothing, blah, blah. And uh, it might be important to do that. Like my sister, Mm -hmm. uh, she and I are very, in very different places politically. Mm-hmm. And we've avoided the topic. I've avoided the topic. But she came down from Boston, where she lives. She came down to visit recently. And uh, we met at a Panera, my wife and my sister and I, had some discussion. And it turned to politics. <laughs> so for two weeks following, she and I were writing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And just a few days ago, she wrote me a, a reply to one of my statements. that said, why are you so angry? And I wasn't the least bit angry. I was mm-hmm. actually kind of having fun with this, you know. But it felt like anger to her. Mm. Uh, so, of course, I wrote her back and said, I'm so sorry I gave you that impression. Uh, I want you to know I'm not at all angry. I'd love to get with you right now and have coffee and all that stuff. Mm. So it's very easy to communicate anger when you don't mean to. And I would say that goes up exponentially with what you're describing, people who aren't actual friends. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I, I mean I think to go back, you know, like I said to your, you know, to your initial question, of you know what are arguments that I feel like are, you know, um, pointless or fruitless or, you know, um, whatever it might be, you know, put in, insert your less uh, terminology in here. Um, I really, I do. I feel like anytime we try to engage people um, on social media with topics of, you know, such great um, importance like this. 
we we really we run that risk of not being able to genuinely show love, you know, and I, and I know I might get pushback from people and, you know, some people say, well, you know, the apostle Paul only had the written word and he expressed, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay, well, first of all, let's, um, you know, let's stop and hold on for a second. The apostle, the apostle Paul is writing under the inspiration and truth of the Holy spirit. Um, you know, he's got one up on you who has a computer and a keyboard and who is not in self control. Um, you know, I, I really feel like we try to justify the things that we do and say based upon this attitude and action of, well, I can, and it's the truth. And so I, I am, you know, absolutely supposed to report and speak the truth. And I would say uh, you are supposed to speak the truth in love. Um, and like you said, it is very very difficult to do that when it is written out. I mean, you you look at those letters to um, the churches that Paul writes, and how much does he go out of his way to express that he is writing these things out of a desperation of uh, their their salvation, their souls, how much he loves them. Um, you know, the letters are just filled with his um, longing and yearning for these people to know the truth and have the truth set them free, the truth that is Jesus Christ. Um, you know, and and I believe fully that you know, looking at that, that should be our heart. That should be our passion. That if, that if we are genuinely concerned with people knowing the truth, whether whether we believe, well, first of all, I think I think on Facebook we need to remember that you are dealing with you know thousands of different people, and in thousands of different ways, their convictions are different from yours. And so, again, going back to what we've said before, you know, if uh, the Bible doesn't plainly speak on it, then you need to assume it's a conscience issue. And not bind someone else's conscience because yours is bound. Um, and we need to understand that if we truly believe that this is that, you know what? No, no, no. Scripture does speak on this. And so I really I want this person to know because I am afraid for their soul. I'm afraid, you know, then we need to be in the most excruciating way possible uh, putting out there how much. We are agonizing over their soul. How much we truly would love to see them come to Christ, um, because really the, that's the only um, that's the only type of you know gospel that we're given from Paul. You know, when Paul gives corrections, it's about things that are clearly and plainly seen in Scripture. And when Paul agonizes over the church or over people, it's because he clearly knows that they have gotten something with the gospel wrong and he is fearful for their soul. Yeah, amen to all that. And you've been talking off and on about uh, the role of love in human interactions, the role of love in Facebook arguments, so on and so forth. And it just reminded me again of my favorite living theologian, the amazing, the incredible John Frame, mm-hmm. uh, who we've had on this podcast several occasions and done book interviews with him and so on. Yes. Um, in, in his, it's an older book now, but in his book on Christian unity, uh, the Christians of different sizes and shapes and stripes and colors should be able to find common ground and appreciate each other. Um, he talks, uh, he talks, I won't say extensively, but at some length on the, the absolute necessity of love as a prerequisite for being able to engage in theological argument. Mm. And what he means by that is, we don't argue fairly if we fail to love the other people, the other person. Mm. We will instead put the worst possible construction on their words. Mm. We will attach meanings to things they say that they did not intend, that they would not even agree to or recognize. We uh, seize on little teeny comments that were like at a side and blow them up into huge things and make big problems. So, so we just don't give other people a fair shake when we lack love. Mm. So I, I love the way he says, very often if there's a theological difference and there's an argument going on, 
What really ought to happen is we should all table it, go serve Christ, go be missionaries, go grow in love and grow in grace, and then in 10 years come back together and talk about it again, and mm. we'll be much better and much more prepared to talk about it and really listen and really be reasonable about what the meaning we attach to the other person's words. Mm. Mm. Yeah, the of love. That to me, that's that's so good because I think it, it's so true. You know, I mean, how can again, you know, how can I possibly hope to bring the light of the gospel to someone? And to me, I guess that's really more important than anything. You know, um, I, I think I, I think theological discussions and debates with people are, uh, I think, they're fruitful if if clearly the Bible is being violated. I think all too often the Bible is not being violated. Someone's conscience is being violated, and they don't honestly know the difference between the two. Somebody's uh, taking a little view or something. Yeah, and and I think I think we get into those discussions, you know, where things aren't clear. You know, what are you know what are the things that are clear? Well, you know, the deity of Jesus Christ. That's clear. That's that's an argument that we should have. That's an argument that we should be willing to have with someone. Now, that's an argument we should be willing to have in love, um, you know, but that's an argument we should be willing to have. Um, whether or not we should be drinking alcohol, uh, that's, that's not an argument we should have. You know, I, to me, Paul settled that argument. If your conscience allows you to drink, drink. If your conscience doesn't, don't. Moving on. <laughs> you know, um, you know, the uh, Christ being born of the virgin. Okay, you know what? That's that's an argument that we should be willing to have. You know that is that is imperative to understanding who Christ is in the miraculous nature of who His Father is. Uh, that's an argument we should be willing to have. Um, you know, and so I think when we look at these arguments, we need to ask: Okay, what is what is what does the Bible say about that? You know, what does the Bible say about that? And is this something that, you know, is is worth dying over? I mean, I I know I come to the point all the time where I will literally ask myself the question, if somebody were holding a gun to my head, am I willing to die for this? Um, you know, and, and I actually, I pose this to my administrator. That's really good. That'll identify cardinal doctrines fast, won't it? I, I really, yeah, I think it will. I, you know, and I posed that to my administrator. Um, this was uh, this was earlier in the year. This year, we were coming back to school, and she, uh, I'm the science teacher at the school that I teach at, and she had asked me about you know my thoughts and views on um, you know creation and literal six days and you know old Earth theory and all that. I said honestly, at the end of the day. I don't care. I said if somebody yeah, were to hold a gun to my head and say you need to believe that the earth is old, okay. If somebody needed if somebody held a gun to my head and said <laughs> you need to believe that the earth is young, I would say okay. Okay. However, if somebody <laughs> held a gun to my head and said, you know, you can't believe that God created the heavens and the earth, I I'm willing to die for that. Sorry. That Sorry. that's where yeah. I'm willing to hold my ground. Um, yeah, amen. You know, so you mentioned creation. That This is one. I, I have a, like a little mental list here tonight. Yeah. Of dumb Facebook arguments I've seen Christians that I know and they know each other get into. Mm. That was one of them. There was this massive argument went on between some people actually in, in the church I pastor now. Mm. And they were on, on Facebook in public arguing terribly with each other about uh, young earth, old earth, six literal days, not literal days, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And and one guy was like aghast. Like, if you don't hold to my young earth six-day position, you are very theologically suspect, and I'm concerned about your soul and you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. So um, that that's one of the arguments I've seen. Have you seen that one on Facebook? Oh, yeah. Young, oh, yeah, that young earth, old earth? Yes, yes. I have definitely seen that one floating around. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 100% with you. I'll put that in Paul's category of foolish arguments that are not to any profit. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make doesn't make a hill of beans a difference. No. Some people think it matters think it matters because they say, well, if you don't interpret those verses 
literally, like wooden literally, Mm -hmm. then you will misinterpret other important parts of the Bible because you won't interpret them literally. Mm -hmm. Well, we all have to learn to figure out what's a figure of speech, what's a metaphor, what's a story, what's presented as historical fact, and we're all trying to be faithful to Scripture when we do that. Right. Right. And I think I think that's the key with these arguments that even if we do discuss these things because I think you know there are people that I do enjoy debating and discuss, discussing these things with but they're people that I know aren't trying to resave me. You know, they're people that I can have this discussion <laughs> with and it's a fun argument, it's a fun discussion, but they're not worried about my eternal soul and salvation. Yeah. You yeah. know, we're coming on equal footing, enjoying the the art of the debate or the art of the argument, and we're doing so knowing each other in love. Yeah, amen. Here, here's another interesting argument that mm. that reminded me of, what you just said reminded me of. Mm-hmm. So there were some people in our church, and uh, unknown to us, the pastors, their family life got pretty messed up, mm-hmm. cracked up blew up, all kinds of bad things happened. And uh, some of them left our church over this. And uh, then they became very critical of the pastors in the church where I pastor uh, because they found elsewhere a certain form of pastoral oversight, of pastoral care for the sheep that did a once-a-year visit in every member's home to inquire with them, how are things, how's your soul? And they, they basically pinned all their problems on us, or a lot of it anyway. It's your fault, you guys, because you weren't faithful pastors, because you didn't do this once a year, this is in our home thing. Right. So this turned into this big argument you know, over, over uh, you know, what the scriptures say about a pastor's involvement with the sheep, how does it get fleshed out? There's right. no one way it gets fleshed out. There's lots of ways. But when, when they left, here's the part that reminds me of what you said. Um, some of them were saying to other people, get out of that church if you mm-hmm. care for your soul. Oh, oh man. man. <laughs> because we don't, because we didn't have a certain mode of, you know, once a year visit. Well, I hope we have a lot more than once a year. We have weekly community groups that we want you in where you have people who love you and know you and care for you and they're close to you in a way that pastors can't be with everybody in a decent sized church. Um, yeah. And, and we have lots of pastoral interactions with people. We just don't have this formal once a year, make us tea and a pie and we'll come by. Right. And and inquire about your soul. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I've I've definitely I've heard that one. Um and you know, I've in, I've engaged in that um before, basically coming to the defense of, you know, that's not that's not a requirement of pastors. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, Scripture but, doesn't say right. pastors should visit everybody in their home once a year and blah, blah, blah. Right. And I think, you know, I think to a certain extent that if the pastor is able to do that, that's, that's great. That's wonderful. That's nice. Yeah. But that's totally. not a scriptural requirement. And you need right. to understand that that is not a scriptural requirement. Um, it's kind of like making up requirements for a marriage. You know, well, in a biblical marriage, when the husband comes home, the wife stops everything, right. sits with him on the sofa for 10 minutes, and they hold hands and right. have a few kisses, and all the kids have to wait. Daddy doesn't want to greet the kids yet. He wants the wife first. And this is the biblical way of right. having a family. Right. Well, Scripture doesn't ever say any of that. Yeah. Well, so, and, same kind of thing here. And you and I talked about that, Steve, where, you know, um, for the longest time, you know, I felt like, oh man, I'm doing something wrong because my wife and I don't do devotions together. You know, like we don't we don't have that time where we're sitting down and doing devotions together. And I mean, you know, just quite honestly, that's just that's not us. Like we have our quiet time, we do them, you know, separate. We will talk about spiritual matters, we'll talk about biblical things, but we don't have an official time where or place where, you know, every night we're getting together and sitting down and doing X. You know, I mean, a lot of times those things happen where I'll be in bed at night reading something and, you know, my wife will be like, oh, well, what are you studying? What are you What are you reading? What are you looking at? You know, we'll kind of talk about those things for a few minutes, but she might not ask me again for another, you know, three or four weeks. You know, and the yeah. same thing will happen, you know, where 
I'll, um, you know, I'll be talking with her and we'll be driving home after church. Hey, what did you think about the sermon? You know, what about this, this, and this? And we will engage with each other on a spiritual level, on a biblical level. But yeah, you know, nowhere in the Bible does it say, you know, thou shalt or thou must sit down on Sunday at three o'clock and, you know, talk about these things with your wife. Um, yeah, say that clearly. You did. You said it clearly. Let's say it again and again and again clearly. That scripture doesn't say that. Yeah. Uh, in Ephesians 5, it does talk about the husband's sanctifying influence on the wife. Mm-hmm. But the idea of, therefore, we should read the Bible and pray together every day, or read a scriptural book and pray together every day, is one possible way right. of fulfilling that. Right. Uh, but it's only one possible way. It's a way we've come up with. It's not a way that scripture mandates. Right, totally and, I, agree. and I would hope not, because, you know, if you think about it, you know, the first century church didn't have the scripture to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good point. Yeah. Also, man, here's the big difference between you and me. Mm. We, we're, we're struggling to find differences between us. Here, I have just <laughs> discovered one. You are able to read in bed. Ah, not me, man. I try to read bed. It's lights out. I'm gone. Gone. Wouldn't work, you know, one minute. Is that what you do if you're having trouble sleeping sometimes? Will you start, will you start <laughs> try, reading? Trying to read. Yeah. <laughs> I heard somebody say once, this is just kind of funny, that, you know, if you can't sleep, get up and read your Bible, and then the devil will put you to sleep. <laughs> I don't know that the devil has powers to put us to sleep. But anyway, it's a nice little idea. <laughs> well, it's you know, it's funny you say that because um, there there are times where I'll actually, if I feel like um, if I feel like, oh man, I'm just I'm just restless and I can't fall asleep, I will go and read scripture, not because I think it'll put me to sleep, but because you know, scripture has an amazing power yeah. to calm, you know, to just yeah, put us too. at ease and. Um, uh-huh. You know, just go back to, you know, uh, some familiar passages and, you know, um, it just, it really, it's amazing the power that the Bible has to do that for us and to us. Yeah. Amen um, to that. So. Hey, here's, so here's another dumb fight. Yeah. Um, so again, this is people who are actually in our church. So guide our church makes works hard, really hard mm-hmm. and he's smart and he makes good money. Mm-hmm. And he's a strong Christian guy. I mean, I just got nothing but respect for him. And with some of the prophet, and by the way, he's a very generous Christian. I happen to know that. Mm. Not just in terms of the church offering, but other Christian people and uh, money he spends to put on events for Christians to enjoy together. And mm. stuff. So very, very generous. Um, but also, he bought himself a really, really nice boat. Mm. <laughs> like he and he and his closest pals take this boat they'll go like 50 miles out in the ocean till you come to this place where the shelf drops off and the oh, wow. water currents change and different kinds of fish are coming through and they catch these enormous big fish out there man like they'll leave it i don't know 1 a.m and cruise out there all night long and as the sun's coming up they start to fish man so so he got this really nice boat well another guy who had left our church over some disgruntled things. I got on Facebook with him and attacked him. Any any serious Christian would not be wasting money on a boat, would not be wasting time on boats. Uh, this is not a time for playing. This is not a time for pleasure. We're at war. We should be out there on the streets just sharing the gospel. You don't have time for a boat. And they went back and forth and back and forth and back. And, you know, I think they were both in the wrong for doing this on Facebook. Sure. Both in the wrong for getting in an argument over it. But, um, of course, I totally agree with the boat guy. I, I'm, I, I've been on this boat. Thank you for having a boat. I enjoy riding on your boat, brother. Take me on your boat anytime you want. That's right. I'll be glad. I'll thank the Lord for his generosity to you. But, you know, that's just such a dumb fight. This guy's going on and on about, you know, Christians shouldn't have boats. He even went further than it, it branched out into other areas. He was like, uh, he was on a tear and didn't want to stop. He was on like, uh, Christians shouldn't waste time going to Orioles games. <laughs> but then somebody pointed out that a family he really respects and loves was soon going to an Orioles game. And he actually said, except that godly family that I know that's going soon. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. So just dumb, dumb arguments about boats and Orioles games and what's proper. What are proper objects 
uh, for spending our money on, what are proper objects for our uh, entertainment and our diversions. And you know what? Scripture doesn't say, does it? Yeah, yeah, no, it it doesn't. And I think that's something that, you know, we just, we really, you know, should be on the forefront of our minds is just, you know, what Scripture does and doesn't say. And, you know, Scripture doesn't tell us um, what we are to spend our money on. It doesn't tell us what we're not to spend our money on. I mean, you know, I think that there are things that we can clearly infer from, you know, um, from sin, you know, I mean, I don't think a, you know, godly Christian man should go out and spend his money on porn. Um, you know, but, but, you know, there are deeper implications with, you know, why you shouldn't spend your money on that other than, you know, it's, it's a waste, you know, it it comes down to no, 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 this is sin, you know, and, and the Bible is clear on that, you know, Bible does talk about sin. Yeah. You know, the Bible does talk about that. And so, yeah, we, we should be, you know, sitting there going, oh, you know, yeah, we, we need to confront that. We need to make sure that that's not happening, that that's not going on, you know? Um, yeah. And neither you nor I are, would be afraid to do that, would we? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Where, where sin is and there's a clear, you know, clear issue with sin. Yeah. That's what we confront. And I feel like if we're doing that, if we're willing to cut back on some of these more um, ludicrous arguments that we have with people, then I think people would genuinely see how much we love them. You know, if we were if we were more decisive in the things that we argued about with people, you know, I, I truly believe that people would be more willing to listen to us and say, oh, you know what? Yeah, I think this person does have my best interest at heart. You know, I mean, the Christian community used to be respected not just by other believers, but by unbelievers as well. And it was because the things that we stood up and fought for were important matters and issues. And then somewhere in the 1900s, we decided that everything should be an important matter and issue. And we started fighting everything. We started saying that, well, you know, if you're doing this, then that's a sin. If you're doing that, that's a sin. And nowhere in the Bible does it say that those things are sin, you know? Um, you know, I hear about, you know, the, the, um, uh, you know, the, the great awakenings and the great revivals that occurred. And, you know, you hear about the stories of the men who, you know, left the bars and, you know, cleaned up their life and went out and doing this, that, and the other, you know. And, and I can't say that, you know, all of those people weren't under a serious conviction that this is what they should be doing. But to me, I hear those things and I find it sad that the equation of, you know, salvation came with stopping uh, you know, drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't drink anymore. Yeah. Don't you chew know. anymore, don't whatever. Right. And to me, that's kind of a sad thing that the equation of salvation came with, oh, I need to stop doing this because this is a sin. Um, and I think in some cases, for some of those people, you know what? It, it probably was, and it probably was a good thing that they stopped. But I think for other people, it, it was the perception more than anything that what they were doing was a sin. Um, yeah. and I, and I find that sad. Just perception. Yeah. So here's a related topic. Uh, what do you think about Christians who, uh, I'll use the word stalking, who stalk other churches, websites or other Christian organizations, websites, kind of looking for something wrong. Yeah. And, um, Maybe you know, they've got a burr in their saddle for some reason. They're against that church, so they want to find things wrong about it. So they're stalking the website, looking, 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 looking. Or, or maybe not the website so much. It's probably more like that church's Facebook presence. Mm. Because then, I, I've seen this happen. I've known people who've done this. They'll start attacking something in that church on that church's Facebook page. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of that? I, you know, I don't... I really I don't think we should be doing that, whether the church is biblically sound or not. Um, and and here's kind of some of my reasons why is because I, I think again it makes us look like we are trying to find things that are wrong. 
And you mm-hmm. know, again, the argument is put out there. Well, you know, these things are, um, you know, these things are unbiblical, and so we should be looking for these things, and we should be. I've got to, de- I've got to defend the truth. Yeah, I've got to defend the truth. Yeah. Um, and I guess my question is, when did when did God ever need us to defend anything? <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. you know, we we get this idea of, you know. Um, Oh, I got to defend. And, and don't get me wrong. I am a huge, huge fan of apologetics. I love apologetics. You know, the, the defense of the faith and, and giving a reasonable defense of the faith. Um, but I've come to view that more as a logical explanation for what I believe, what I believe, not a defense of the faith. Because you know what? At the end of the day, God does not defend every single action that he does in the Bible. You know, if you look at Scripture, nowhere in Scripture do you see a defense for creation. God doesn't give a, God, God doesn't give a defense for creation. God just tells us that in the beginning He created it. <laughs> you know, and so we we don't have a defense for everything that God does. And so I think we should get out of this mentality of defending scripture, defending the Bible, defending the truth, and realize that that God is more than capable of defending those things on his own, and yeah. we should simply do what we've been called to do, and that is preach the gospel. Yeah, and furthermore, same thing you're saying, is, uh, you know, who appointed you, O oh man, yeah. to be the defender of the truth in that church that you're not even a part of, yes. on their Facebook page? And I've seen this happen a number of times, and in at least several of times, I think the guy misunderstood what the church means by some doctrinal point, mm. and then falsely accused them, falsely attacked them. Mm. Um, and again, this is that problem of lacking love. If you have love, you'll be cautious and patient. You don't want to bear false witness against them. You want to make sure you have it right. You want to make sure you really understand them, right. and you're willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. You don't put the worst spin on everything they say. Um, but man, some people, some people are like wound. I don't mean by God. They're just wound by life to be in attack mode a lot. And they need to be real careful on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I think, you know, like you said at the beginning, you know, Facebook has a a way of taking cowards and turning them into bullies. And I think, (laughs) you know, this is just, I, I think this is something we all need to guard against, you know, and I don't say this as someone who, you know, um, has a perfectly mastered it or B, uh, you know, I try my best a lot more and more to not get into these discussions and arguments. Um, and I remember, you know, a time not too long ago where, um, I would jump at the opportunity to get into these discussions and arguments, but the question really just really started hitting me and that I started asking myself, I have a lot of friends on Facebook. I have a lot of friends who are Christians and I have a lot of friends who aren't Christians. And so what is my testimony if I'm engaging in a conversation with someone who is a Christian or who is not a Christian? Am I really making a difference in this capacity? And the answer that I was coming to more and more was no i'm not you know that that i am not making a difference in this capacity however i did notice that i was making a difference in the capacity where one on one i was getting together with people and having having conversations with them you know and i i can remember several times throughout um the years where i was sitting down and i was talking with a couple different people and you know, um, I was just talking about my faith and the other person that one of the people was like, Oh, you're, you're a Christian. And the other person who wasn't a believer, the the third person in the party was like, Oh yeah, he's, he's a Christian. He just doesn't go around and hit you over the head with the Bible. Like some people do. Mm-hmm. And, and I took that as one of the greatest compliments in the world. I know, I know some people will take it as a sign like, Oh, well, you're not preaching the gospel enough then. But I just I took that as one of the greatest compliments in the world, the fact that somebody knows what I believe and they know that I'm willing to stand up for my beliefs, but they also know that they can talk to me like a normal dude. That That's pretty nice. Yeah, I I I love that that people, you know, um 
feel comfortable enough to come with me and talk with me, even after they know, man, this this guy's a believer. He has he has standards. He has principles. He has things that he's willing to stand up for. He has things that he's willing to uh, quote unquote argue about. You know, and I've had several of those discussions with people who have made those comments, uncompromising discussions about who Jesus Christ is and what he came to do. But the fact that you know they they might not agree with me, they might not believe what I believe, but they they know that there's something different, and they know that oh he calls himself this, and I think he is. This is how he acts. This is what he says. This is what he does. And I just I love that because that's what I want. You know, I I don't feel like I have to constantly offend offend and berate people. Um, because of what I believe, because of Jesus Christ. Christ didn't do that. If you look at the people that Christ really annoyed and, forgive my language here, pissed off, it was religious people. It wasn't the everyday person on the street who he was bringing the the gospel to. It was the religious people who believed that they knew what was best and they believed they were going to heaven and they believed they were doing God's will. Those were the people he was turning on their heads and he was pissing off. But the you know think about the woman at the well. This woman who's not a religious person at all. Christ goes to and he goes to in love and he speaks the truth to her in love and she is intrigued by him and she goes and brings her entire village back to him to hear the message that he has. You know, um, Zacchaeus, who is not a religious, particularly religious person, and people are going to argue, well, you know, he's a Jew and blah, blah, but he's not a particularly religious person. You know, Zacchaeus might have been a Jew by birth, but he was not religious. He was a tax collector. He was shunned. He was cast out. And Christ goes to him, and he welcomes him with open arms, knowing that Christ is um, basically saying that what he's doing is wrong. You know, you're, you're taking advantage of people. But you look at the interactions, and Christ doesn't have to go in and berate people. He doesn't go in and, you know, throw around, I'm the son of God. You must bow down to me. He simply tells people who he is. He tells people the good news of why he came and people's lives are changed as a result of that news. Amen to all that. So here's a question for you. Um, so is there a time when you would ever engage in an argument on a theological or biblical point on Facebook? Mm. I, I think I would, but it would be, um, it would be on uh, like Facebook Messenger. I, I yes. think I'm beyond yes. the point. So not of, on Facebook Public. Yeah, yeah, it not would, on would be Facebook private Public. Messaging. Yes, yes. Yeah. I I think yeah. I've here, exactly. tried to work beyond the point where, you know, I would engage in those types of things, and I'm coming to the point just more and more where I, I just I'm like, you know what? I don't. I, the The benefit is not there. The yeah. benefit's not there. This discussion, even this, you know, uh, what what I would consider an in-house discussion about a theological matter. I mean, let's take even predestination and Arminianism. Mm-hmm. Um, unbelievers looking on at that discussion, I don't yeah. believe there is any benefit whatsoever to an unbeliever looking in on that discussion. Doesn't do the gospel any good, does no. it? No, it really it does not. Um, it just makes the it it confirms their worries and suspicions about us. See, they can't even get along amongst themselves. Why right. would I want to be part of that? Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so, yeah, I think you know, I think if um, more and more, I'm trying to get to the point where you know, um, hey, you know, I think that's great. Um, you know, I might publicly say to them, let's, let's pull this into the, you know, messaging realm, or I might just automatically go in, shoot them a private message and say, Hey, let's, you know, let's talk about this. Um, you know, I think you're onto something really good right there. I like that. Yeah. I mean, I just, I feel like that is, that is just so important, you know, and I think about even the realm of, you know, politics, you know, something like politics. Um, again, I think more and more I want I want to take matters out of this public sphere where 
I'm trying to answer and have a conversation with one person about something and I've got 50 other people chiming in that I'm trying to address at the same time, <laughs> you know, um, it, it just, it, it, I, it, it fails. It doesn't work. You don't have the time. You don't have the ability to nuance things well enough to do it. And so to me, the much better solution is, Hey, let's take this in a private message or, Hey, you know what? Can can I give you a call about that? Because, uh, you know, I, I think you have some really valid points, but I don't think I can fully and, and truly explain myself here on uh, Facebook or in messaging. Let me let me call you and talk to you so you can hear the tone in my voice. You can hear that I'm not getting mad at you. You can hear that I'm not flipping out on you. Um, yeah, you know, those better. types of things. I'm sure we've all heard people say, and I hope we all agree with the people who say, that wherever possible – Face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball mm. communication is, is desirable. That's, that's the best. Yes. It's not always possible. You know, Paul wrote letters to churches because he couldn't be there. Right. But it's better if you can be there and they can read your facial expressions and your, your vocal um, nuances and all that. Uh, second to that is maybe what? I guess it's writing. Mm. And third to that is writing publicly on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, avoid it. And I would say, even with the writing, um, I, I think careful, well thought out writings. Yeah. You know, yeah, really because I, I think you know when we when we think of like writings and things like that, you know, you you really you have Facebook where again you know or, or email even let's take email where you know you can have somebody who just sh- shoots off an email i mean as a teacher i see this all the time where a parent will shoot off an email about something their child thought i said in class and so uh, i will receive an earful from the parent who really uh, if they had been doing their due diligence would have you know phrased or rewritten the email in such a way that right was more inquisitive instead of um accusative um yeah wouldn't that be nice you they'd know. write your letter and say, we know our kid gets things wrong sometimes, yeah. so yeah. we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt, blah, blah, blah. but here's what he said to us. And, right. What, you know, <laughs> would you care to clarify? Exactly. Yeah, that would stop a lot of carnage, wouldn't it? Oh, yes. And, and one of the things that I'm learning more and more um, that I am absolutely fascinated with is that teaching middle schoolers and dealing with adults – there, there. Unfortunately, is not a lot of dissimilarities in their personalities. <laughs> oh, uh, man. <laughs> uh, we don't grow up much, huh? No, no. We really, you know, we really don't. I mean, you know, a fart joke is just as good to a middle school boy as it is a, you know, forty-eight-year-old boy. I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, oh boy. And, and I think that's a fact of life that hopefully as we get older and we have more wisdom, we, we temper better. You know, we understand that this is our nature. This is our personality. And so we have a better understanding. You know, when I talk about, um, when, when I talk to students about, you know, the nature of evil, I tell them that I know and understand the nature of evil, not because of what I observe, but because of what's in me. That's that's how I know what the nature of evil is. That's how I understand what the Bible says. Not because I look at all these things that have been done in history and all these people. It's because I know the darkness that's in my heart. I might yeah. be able to control it better for one reason or another. Some of that due to age. Some of that due to wisdom. I think a lot of that due to the you know grace of God and the Holy Spirit. But... I understand because that's what's in my heart. And so once I truly understand what's in my heart, hopefully God's grace then captivates me to to want to respond in a way that he would respond with. You know. Sweet man. I love it. Um and, and I think that's you know, that's what we should be looking for. You know, I just I, I don't know. I have a hard time picturing Christ, and I and I and I try to do this. I try to picture. Okay, what if Christ were living in 2018? What were, what are the things that he would be doing? You know what? And and I can I can totally picture Christ. You know, sitting down on the couch next to me playing Call of Duty. Some people think that's blasphemous, but I can totally picture that. I can totally picture. Well, you're going to get somebody's dander up now. Oh, I know. I could totally picture Christ though going through uh, school and being out on the soccer field. I can totally sure. picture him doing that. You know, 
I have trouble though picturing Christ getting on Facebook and getting into arguments and discussions with people on theology. Creation <laughs> days. Yeah, I, I just, I, I just, I, you know, I find that hard to, hard to visualize. You know, hard to imagine Christ getting on Facebook and engaging in these discussions because. We, we don't see Christ doing that even when he's here on earth. You know, we don't, we don't hear about him writing letters to people. You know, all of his apostles are the ones that, you know, wrote the, wrote the uh, gospels. You know, all and, of his disciples and he did, wrote. He, he did engage in some theological arguments. Like, yeah. um, you know, is there a resurrection? He, he, would go ahead, he went ahead and stepped into that one. But only because others, in a public way, you know, pressed it on him, and so he had to answer. Right. So he did. And and he does it face-to-face. He does yes. it face-to-face. You know, whenever he's talking about the Pharisees, you know, and you get those comments about, you know, uh, those Pharisees, those brood of vipers, don't act like the Pharisees. It's not like the Pharisees are off in some distant land. They're right there off to the side looking at him, looking for Listen. a reason to kill him. You yeah, know, they want to kill him. Right. Already they decided. Yeah, we're it's, kill him. it's not like he's sitting there, hey guys, beware of the Pharisees. It's like, no, 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 beware of the Pharisees. Don't be like those people who say one thing and do another. And they're sitting right there listening. And maybe he's pointing at, at yeah. them as he talks. Yeah. There, there is no, there is no like side sly, you know, confrontation. It's the confrontation is right there face to face with the person. Um, which to me shows that level of, you know, standing up for what is right and what is the truth. Because, you know, I just, I, I have a hard time picturing some people, um, you know, and some Facebook people, you know, just face to face getting up and being like, hey, don't be like this person, you know, and with that person right there. Yeah, man. So. So earlier I read from Second uh, Timothy two twenty three, avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, arguments. Mm. Again in Titus, Titus is out on the island of Crete. He's putting things order in, in order in churches, and Paul writes young Titus and says, "But avoid controversies, dot dot dot, and arguments and quarrels <laughs> about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless." Mm. What's not clear in that verse? (laughs) You avoid it. It's (laughs) unprofitable. It's useless. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man, that's so, so good. So, I mean, so true, too. Like, you know, I hear people, you know, when somebody talks about, man, you know, uh, there'll, there'll be an argument going around on Facebook and somebody will say, this is this is pointless. This is ridiculous. Why are we arguing about this? And somebody will be like, well, we're discussing the Bible. It's never pointless. It's never ridiculous. Uh, well, wait a minute. We've, we've got scripture right here that says, no, 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 no. Talking about some things, even if they're in the Bible, it's pointless and ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Useless. Yeah. Waste of time. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, man. You know, and I think, too, one of the things that I would even love to see more is, you know, I, because I don't, I, I don't think um, it's not going to go away. You know, the, the arguments are not going to go away, but I think what I would love to see more of is, you know, these words of encouragement, words of affirmation, you know, where, Hey, you know what, man, I, I get that we are coming from two different places. And I, you know, let me just say that as a brother in Christ, I totally love and respect you. Uh, for what you think and and believe, and you know, I I don't think we're going to solve this. I think you know maybe we're just headed down a road here that's not good. Um, but you know, I I really I appreciate you weighing in and putting your two cents two cents in on this. But you know, I just I don't think we're going to profit from this. So you know, um, but but you don't see that. You know, everybody's itching to get the last word in. Everybody's itching to get the last <laughs> statement in. And, you know, nobody's willing to concede, you know what, we're just, we're not going to solve this because, 
Quite frankly, the church has been arguing over this for well over 2,000 years. You have great men of faith on both sides of whatever argument or issue it is. And we think here in 2018, with all of our technology and sophistication, we're going to be able to, you know, um, argue someone into whether or not they should believe that the earth was created in six literal days or whether that is figurative or metaphorical or whether or not drinking is a good thing or a bad thing or, you know, what – pick your poison. Pick whatever it is. Um, if, but, if, but I, I – oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, but if if our early fathers of the faith couldn't wrap their heads around this well, – can't we have a little humility and be like, you know what? We're probably not going to do that either. <laughs> Very good. What were you going to say, Steve? Yeah. Well, I just like the point you're bringing up is that instead of spending time arguing about foolish controversies and it's to no profit, how about we go, if you're going to go on Facebook, how about you encourage mm. other people, lift up other people, strengthen other people. And when my non-Christian friends observe that going on, they're going to go, wow, behold how they love each other. Look yeah. at that. I wouldn't mind being part of a community like that. Yes. Instead of all this arguing, arguing, arguing over little picky things. Mm. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. Man, this, this, has been, this has been great. This is uh, – I've enjoyed this. It's uh, you know so good to be able to get together once a week and, and go over and talk about things like this because I think – it is profitable. I think it is good for you know believers to figure out you know what how, how do we respond? How do we interact with one another? You know, um, and I you know I think um, being able to do that in you know love and charity and again you know people understanding that like I'm not I'm not saying and doing the things that I'm saying and doing because I come from a level of oh I'm better than you I'm superior to you no no no. I'm coming from this place because I've seen, I've seen the damage that it does, and yeah, I've seen like, the damage that it does to the gospel, um, and and I just you know I've come to a point where I just I, I want to stop damaging the gospel. <laughs> mm, you know? Amen. So yeah, very good. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Steve. This has been a wonderful. Um, delight to be back on with you. I look forward to uh, next week and our next topic, which you and I are going to um, be uh, talking about and uh, discussing in a few uh, minutes. In a few minutes, that's right. We're going to be uh, closing out the podcast here, and then we're going to be doing a little bit of planning. So, looking forward to it, Steve. We just rocked the Casbah. These go to eleven.